0: You're listening to episode 14 of season two of The Improvement Project, and this week I want to talk about grief. Is it weird to think about personal growth mixed together with grief? Maybe, but this has been on my mind in the last few months as I am in a grieving process and I thought it might be helpful for you if you are in grief right now, or even if you're not currently in grief, perhaps it can offer insight for those times when she shows up for you or someone you care about. I will also mention that I'll be discussing the loss of a family member in this episode. So, if you aren't in a place where that feels comfortable for you to listen to, skip this one and come back to it later if that makes sense for you. And I will also say that I might have some tears as I'm recording this one. We'll do the best we can. Let's do it. Welcome to The Improvement Project, a podcast that will encourage you to get curious about what's going on in your brain that might be holding you back from achieving your big dreams and goals. I'm your life coach, Dr. Peggy Malone. After 20 years of working with patients to help them take on better habits for health and wellness, as well as working with clients one-on-one as their life coach, I've learned how the thoughts that we habitually think are the key to getting what we want in this life. I've learned that a coach can help you recognize what's going on in your mind, help you get clear on your goals, and then hold you accountable on the way to your best life. Listen in each week as I help you discover why you are the way you are and how you can lean into self-inquiry on the way to being an even better you. Let's get after it. My sister died on May 6th, 2022. My beautiful, unique, funny, smart, amazing 44-year-old sister. She had ovarian cancer, and it took her quickly and way too soon. The entire experience was terrible. For her, for me, for John, for my parents, for our other siblings and their spouses, for her nieces and nephews and extended family, for her friends and co-workers, for everyone who loved her. As she would say about the experience, zero out of ten would not recommend zero stars. And there it is, the dichotomy of my experience of late. Tears and pain followed by laughter in an instant. Grief is a weird and terrible thing, and as long as we are mortal, it shall remain a part of all of our lives. Grief is the price that we pay for connection. Grief is the flip side of very close emotional attachment. An article in Scientific American says this, Evolutionary biologists think that grief is passed on not because it provides benefit in itself, but rather it is a side effect of having relationships. As anyone who ever had separation anxiety as a kid or who lost track of their parents at the beach knows... Our bodies produce stress hormones when we're separated from our parents. And the only way for those bad feelings to go away is to come together again. This biological reaction to separation keeps us together because staying together provides an evolutionary benefit. Kids and their parents, the core relationship evolutionarily, rely on one another for protection and genetic proliferation. Respectively. And so being drawn together and kept together is advantageous. In more social animals, such as humans, those reciprocal relationships extend beyond parent-child. Our siblings help us survive, as do our aunts, uncles, and friends. And when we are separated, our bodies send out alarm cries to bring us back together. But after death, the two cannot be rejoined. Grief, in its most basic form represents an alarm reaction set off by a deficit signal in the behavioral system underlying attachment. This is written by psychology professor John Archer of the University of Central Lancashire in his book, The Nature of Grief. Now, it sounds a little bit um, nerd alert, but for some reason, this explanation is helpful for me as I navigate my own grief in the loss of my sister. Knowing that I feel this way because of the connection that we had is somehow comforting, even if it's a painful, sad comfort. Through the emotional chaos associated with her diagnosis, treatment, and ultimately her passing, I would pause occasionally to check in with my brain and my emotions, and I would ask myself the question that I've often asked myself when I'm going through hard things in this life. And the question is, how is this happening for me? Now, Maybe this question feels inappropriate to you under the circumstances, or perhaps it seems selfish on my behalf, but this is one of the questions that has often helped me to make sense of things that don't make sense. In the first days and weeks after she died, when I felt dissociated from my body and every breath and step felt a bit like slogging through quicksand on autopilot, I didn't really have a coherent answer to this question. But as I've now had, at the time of this recording, more than three months to process this loss and think about grief in real time as I've been experiencing it, I've come up with some things. So I'll share them here, and it is my hope that if you are still listening, whether you are in grief right now or not, that there is something from my experience that will be helpful to you in some way. I've been practicing feeling my feelings And just staying in them and deciding that what I'm feeling is valid and okay. There is no need to jump straight out of sad back to positive and happy. Sad is valid and okay. My coach asked me in the first weeks after Jenny died how I was feeling, and I replied with some version of dissociated and sad. Then she asked me how I wanted to feel. I thought about it for a minute and I realized that in that moment, I didn't really want to feel any different. I wanted to feel sad. And so I felt it. I didn't resist it. I cried when I wanted to cry. And then I started to feel better. Now, three months later, I'm mostly okay. Most days I'm my regular self. Until I'm not. There's no rhyme or reason as to the thing that takes me from okay to not okay. But I've learned that when it happens, I just lean lean into the feeling. And I really feel it. And then it passes. And then I feel better for the tears. And having felt the feeling. I'm guessing that it'll be like this for a while, and I'm cool with it. My family connection is stronger. My family is pretty tight. We spend holidays together, we cheer each other on, we laugh at and with each other. We love each other. We always have. The grief associated with my sister's death has made this connection even stronger, and that's one thing that I'm grateful for, and one of the things that I can answer with certainty that question, how is this happening for me? Even though we have been a tight family and we love each other, saying the words, I love you, was a rare occurrence from and to my parents and siblings growing up, and even recently. This changed when Jenny got sick, because I started, on purpose, telling her, as well as my other siblings and parents, that I loved them every time I said goodbye. This has continued after Jenny is gone, and it's a lovely addition to our family connection. Tell your people that you love them every time you say goodbye. It feels good. I mentioned that I felt dissociated from my body. This is something that I've experienced before in grief myself, and I've had many patients over the years describe it after a traumatic experience or as they are negotiating their own grief. It's something that can happen when people are experiencing something traumatic. Your brain is trying to protect you by getting you further away from the perceived threat, so it does this separation of sorts. This fuzzy, dissociated feeling is also because the emotional centers of your brain, which are part of your lizard brain, are working really hard and your logical centers shut down. So this is why it feels like you can't remember things, you can't make decisions, you really struggle with remembering what happened and when. And this passes after a while as that lizard brain calms down and your logical centers come back online. So the thing that really helped me through that feeling of dissociated and fuzzy um, was noticing that I was having those sensations and then reminding myself why they were happening. The other thing that helped was doing physical body work. So working with a massage therapist, I saw my osteopath um, and I got adjusted by my chiropractor. I also really exercised more than I usually would. And that movement of my body helped to reconnect me back with my body. It's sort of as like the grief was moving through my body and I was getting reconnected with my physical self. So for you, if you find yourself in grief and you have that dissociated fuzzy feeling, first of all, just recognize that yes, it's going to pass. And You don't have to fight it. Just know it'll pass. And number two, doing some body work or exercise may also help. Uh, Working with my coach each week is something that I am eternally grateful to have had for the past eight months. Processing my thoughts and feelings each week about what was going on allowed for my consciousness to expand such that I had the capacity to hold space, not only for my own grief, but also the capacity to support my sister as a caregiver through her diagnosis and her treatment and ultimately her death. The other thing that working with my coach has helped me with is allowing for my consciousness to expand such that my brain can hold space for more than one thing to be true at the same time. On a particularly terrible day about two weeks before Jenny died, she had just made the very brave and empowered decision to not continue with any more treatment. She and our family were reeling in the intensity of what that meant, and it was all around a bad day. On that same day, again, it was a bad day. On that same day, our temporary house, the one that we had been living in for over a year as our house was under renovation... Closed, meaning that we had a huge amount of money in our bank account due to the sale of the house. It was more than we expected, and it was amazing. These two events happening on the same day in my past would have created such cognitive dissonance that I would have denied myself the joy in the celebration of the amazing to stay focused on the pain of the terrible. On this particular day, though, I looked at John. And I took a deep breath and I said, two things can be true at the same time. We can still feel this pain and support my sister and my family on this terrible day. And we can celebrate this huge, amazing win in our personal life. And so we cried and we hugged and we also drank a beer together and we celebrated. So I've said it before and I'll continue to say it. Get a coach. You and your brain deserve it in order to navigate the good and the bad in this life. And sometimes the good and the bad at the exact same time. My sister didn't want a traditional visitation or a funeral. She wanted a party. And last week, my entire extended family and so many friends and co-workers and people who loved her across many decades and kilometers gathered in fellowship to eat and drink and share stories and celebrate Jenny's life. And it really did feel exactly that, celebratory. Now, I know that everyone has their own way to process and grieve and pass through the rituals associated with a loved one's death. Many traditions have a visitation or a funeral in the days right after someone has passed. And I recognize that for many, this is important and in some cases practical. I think that for our family, in the way that this played out in order to honor my sister's wishes the time to process and grieve her loss for a few months before we gathered in this way allowed for us to really connect and hug and laugh and chat with so many people who loved her and really celebrate and be present in a different way than if we had done it in the immediate aftermath. I want to share this because it was such a beautiful experience for our family And this may be a way that some families could celebrate a loved one that they lost during the intensity of the COVID years, where gatherings weren't possible. We plan to keep on celebrating our Jenny for years, so there's no timeline on this. Right after she passed away, on social media, and also when we saw people in person last week to celebrate Jenny... So many people shared stories with memories of her or how she had touched their lives. I heard endless stories of something that she did that was helpful or inspirational or funny or just something quirky that people loved about her. Each one was an addition to her beautiful legacy, and they were often definitely tear-inducing, but I loved every single one. The way that this was happening for me, other than filling up my heart with even more love for my sister, was that I've realized that sharing a story that in your brain might feel small or like a tiny throwaway anecdote, sharing that with someone who has lost someone can be extremely meaningful. So in the future, I will make more of an effort to include such stories along with the standard, I'm so sorry for your loss. A mentor of mine says, life is 50-50. It's 50% amazing and 50% shitty. The loss of my sister means that my family has been through a season of the shitty lately, and I have been doing my best to weather this season by intentionally leaning into the joy of the amazing and expressing my gratitude for little and big things along the way. So the bottom line for me as I go through this grief process and I ask myself the question, how is this happening for me? My answer is, life is for the living, my friends. And even when I feel sad, and even when I miss my sister which I will every day from now on. I'm leaning into joy. And that's it for this episode of The Improvement Project. If you are grieving right now, please know that I am sending you all the big love. Your grief is yours, and you get to decide how you want to negotiate it and weather it. If you are open to it, do the best you can to feel all the feels, but also lean into gratitude and joy as much as you can. Both can exist at the same time, And you deserve joy too, even in the terrible. I definitely recommend working with a therapist or a coach to help you process everything that you are experiencing. If you get the feeling that I might be your coach, reach out to me and we can explore what that would look like. Send me a DM on Instagram. My handle is at Dr. Peggy Malone. If you enjoyed today's show and you don't want to ever miss an episode, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you usually listen. If you haven't already, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review to let me know what you think of the show and to help others find The Improvement Project. As usual, you'll find all of the resources and links that were mentioned during today's show in the show notes at theimprovementproject.com. Again, whether you are in the grief we discussed today or not, if you are interested in learning more about me and my work and perhaps how we could work together, come visit me at drpeggymalone.com forward slash coach and sign up for a free 60-minute consult where we can help you to get clear on where you are, where you want to go, and how to get there. Until next time, my friends, stay focused and get after it.